resident evangelist, uh, praise God, is uh, hosting a revival in Metropolis. And uh, it does start tonight, but you're not going tonight. <laughs> is that right? Because you've got someplace else to be. Amen, right here. And, uh, but uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, uh, at Lighthouse Assembly of God in Metropolis, uh, they are uh, having a revival services, and they're uh, going to be focused on healing, deliverance, and salvation. And uh, so if you want to go out and support that meeting, we encourage you to do that. And uh, if you're not going out, say a prayer. Amen. Release your faith that God moves uh, in a mighty way. Those metropolites over there, they need Jesus too, don't they? Some of y'all are metropolisites. Yeah, praise God. Amen. Amen. We'll turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. I have an assignment this morning from the Father that I'm happy, happy to do my best uh, to accomplish. And uh, so, praise God. I got up this morning and sat down in my chair for coffee, closed my eyes, and the Lord began to just deal with me. And He said, I want you to, uh, I want you to minister a message and call it, uh, The Day Everything Changed. The Day Everything Changed. And uh, He's referring to an event in my life, uh, praise God. But not only that, but in, oh, praise God, uh, all of our lives who have had this wonderful experience. And uh, that experience is the experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost and being uh, empowered with divine power from heaven, from on high. And uh, praise God, if you're born again but you never have yet been filled with the Spirit, you need to be. It'll be the day that it all changes in your life. <laughs> Amen. We say, what about salvation? Well, that's a day that it changed, right? That, you know, things change. You changed addresses. Uh, praise God. From heaven to hell. Excuse me, from hell to heaven. Let's get our, let's get our order correct. Sorry, Father. Amen. You get saved, you go from hell bound to heaven bound. And uh, thank God for that. But there is another experience sub subsequent to salvation, a gift that Jesus has for every child of God. And it's so vitally important. It's so vitally necessary. You know, one of the things you need to understand about your Bible is that the Bible is not filled with unimportant teachings and God does not make unnecessary statements. There's no filler in the Word. And the Bible has much, much, much to say about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And when we get to the end, I encourage you, if you are born again, a child of God, but you've never been endued with power from on high, that you come forward and have hands laid on you. Amen? Amen. To receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, I don't want to pastor a spirit-filled church on paper only. Amen? Uh, we're, it's not just in our tenets of faith. But it's something we live by, something we preach and teach and believe and are blessed by. So I want us to begin talking about the day it all changed uh, with looking not first at my life, but at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we, were, we had a wonderful time in mentoring uh, this last Thursday. I didn't actually get to this, but we will. And uh, talking about the plan of God. And, uh, you know, when Jesus left heaven and became an earth, yes, He was deity the whole time, the whole time. 
But he stripped himself of all of his privileges and powers, if you will, that came with being part of the Godhead when he became a man. So he's fully God, but he is fully man on the earth. And so he was born and he went to Egypt and he came back and they settled in Nazareth. We know this, right? And uh, he began to just grow up, uh, grow up a Jewish boy. And uh, we, we have little snippets about his life. We know in Luke chapter 1, you're in Luke chapter 3, in Luke chapter 1 verse 80, it says, And the child grew, meaning he physically grew. And he became, I want you to hear this, he became strong in spirit. In other words, he wasn't born strong in spirit. If the Bible says, remember, the Bible does not make unnecessary, unimportant statements. In the Bible, words matter. So notice what that says. Jesus became strong in spirit. He waxed strong. He he grew in wisdom. Right? So just because he was deity as a 12-year-old doesn't mean that as a man he's got a brain. He's developing his mind, developing his body of knowledge. If he just knew everything because he was Jesus, why did he stay behind when his mom and dad started back home? And when they found him three three days later, he was in the temple asking the teachers questions. Why would he do that if he already knew everything? He's just waiting around for his time. No, he had to grow. He had to develop. And there are landmark moments in Jesus' development. And there are landmark moments and events in all of our development as believers. Now, why did Jesus strip himself like this? Well, because it's a, it's a longer story than we have time for today. But in essence, you know, uh, Jesus is called the last Adam. So he had to come like an Adam, a man on the earth, right? And succeed in confrontation with the devil in temptation where Adam failed. And then qualify himself to go to the cross. But he also stripped himself of his powers, uh, if you will, uh, that came with being deity. So he could be our example. See, if he had... You know, if we just said, well, we look at the things he did on the earth, and we say, wow, that's all, oh, wow, wow, that, and we should, wow, 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 that's awesome. Then, but if he did all of that just because he was deity, then we, we would be hopelessly, right, silly to think we could ever follow in his footsteps. But yet the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus himself said, the works you see me do, you shall do also. And greater works shall you do, Then he made this very important statement, because I go to my Father. Now you have to know your Bible pretty well to understand the significance of that phrase, because I go to my Father. What's he referring to? He's saying, i got to get back to my Father so the Holy Ghost will come, so the other one will come. And it's only the Holy Ghost coming that's going to enable you to do the same works you've seen me do. You're not going to do it because you're all that in a bag of chips. Amen. Amen. And so as we approach Luke chapter 3, and we see the moment it all changed in Jesus' life. For 30 years, amen, tradition tells us that Jesus, well the Bible tells us pretty specifically that he began his public ministry at 30 years of age. Tradition tells us that he went to the cross at about 33 and one half years old. So he had a three and a half year ministry. Public ministry, if I'm, if I'm studied correctly. Okay? Y'all with me? Yes. So if you take the percentage, how much of his life was he hidden away? 
behind the scenes, just growing and developing. 89.5% of his life was spent hidden away preparing. Whatever you're called to, whatever preparation is required for that, preparation times never lost time. Jesus spent 89, 89.5% of his earthly life preparing for a three and a half year ministry. And he did it masterfully. Amen? But there came a time where John the Baptist was baptizing people. He was preaching a message of repentance and get right and get ready. Right? Preparing a way for the Lord's uh, commencement, his coming onto the public scene. And so that's what he was doing. In uh, Luke chapter 3, verse uh, number 16, we'll read a nugget about this. It says, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one, capitalized, Jesus, one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will what? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, listen, words matter in the Bible. In this scripture, did it say, there's one mightier than I coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose, who will save you? Now, he did come to do that, but that's not what this verse is talking about. John is baptizing. And he's using that to make this statement. There is one coming after me, someone who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. Praise God. I hope y'all are with me. Amen. And so skip down to verse 21. Let's look at the day it all changed for Jesus. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, meaning in water. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. Do you see that? And who? The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove. Now circle the next word, mark it, if you have something in your Bible to do that with. Upon Him. Did it say the Holy Spirit went inside Him? No, it said the Holy Spirit came upon Him. Up on, up on, up on Him. Now what is going on here? Because our, many of our denominational brothers and sisters tell us, that the phrase baptism or all the references to being filled with the Spirit or baptized with the Holy Spirit is just another way of saying get saved. But brother and sister, that's not, that cannot be. That is not right. Not intended to be devices. I just want you to know the truth about it. That is not right. When someone is born again, they ask Jesus into their heart. The Holy Spirit does come. He comes to indwell our spirits. We, he moves inside us and we are born of the Spirit. We are united and joined to the Spirit. We are made a new creation in Christ. And every reference to salvation talks about either just making Jesus Lord, but talks about a spiritual birth. A spiritual, eternal life is born again. Amen? Don't go there, but again in 1 John chapter 2, it talks about you have an anointing referring to the Holy Ghost in you. In you. In you. Every reference to the Holy Spirit doing a work in a man is a reference to the being born again or being saved. Amen. But what you're going to see here, there's no reference about the Holy Ghost coming in Jesus. Is Jesus getting saved here? No. Come on, He is deity. Yeah. 
This moment that changed everything for Jesus had nothing to do with saving him. He didn't need saving. This is the Holy Spirit coming upon him. Why? For what purpose? Well, let's just find out. Amen. And uh, so, praise God. Uh, air condition up here blew my page. Okay. And uh, so, notice it says in verse 22, Luke 3, 22, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now look at verse 23. Now, everyone say now. Now, now Jesus himself began his ministry. Notice his ministry did not begin until the Holy Ghost came upon him. Do you know up until this time all four Gospels bear this fact and this testimony out that Jesus never did one miracle? He never preached one sermon? He never, he never fed anybody supernaturally? He never opened a blind eye? He never healed anybody that we have any record of until the Holy Ghost came upon him? What is the baptism with the Holy Spirit? It's an anointing of the Holy Ghost and power. It is a divine enablement. The power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you to live the Christian life the way it was meant to be lived and to have power from God to minister so that you can do the same works Jesus did. From this moment, now he was led into the wilderness... Let's go ahead and read that. Uh, look at chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus being full. This, see, this is why we describe it this way. Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Now, for Jesus, if Jesus needed the empowerment of the Spirit and to be full of the Holy Ghost to successfully confront the devil in the wilderness and to perform His ministry and to fulfill His call and to do works of power. Who are you and I to think that we can fulfill our call, live the Christian life, fulfill our assignment, do works of power without this baptism? Preaching good. Hallelujah. This is why there is, this is in part why we see so much weakness and so much powerlessness in the body of Christ. They have said no to power. They have said no to the powerhouse. They have said no to the helper. And the day that everything changed in my life as a college student is the day I said yes to the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you more about it. Hallelujah. But notice Jesus entered in to this confrontation with the devil that lasted 40 days and 40 nights. He entered in full. You know, it matters how you enter in to a season of testing. It matters how you enter in to a confrontation with the devil. Do you have the Holy Ghost on you or not? Are you empowered by the Holy Ghost or not? Jesus did nothing to advance His call. He did nothing to advance His ministry. He didn't have a confrontation like this with the devil until He had power to do so. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I got a grunt. I got a few amens. Praise God. 
And so, glory. And so we know that we don't have time to read all of Luke chapter 4, but we know that He overcame all of the temptations of the devil. And uh, we know that He left this season. Look at verse 14 of Luke 4. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Amen. And His ministry began. He began to teach. He began His first miracles recorded in John chapter 2 where He turned water into wine. But He didn't do that until after He was baptized with the Holy Ghost in Jordan. That's the day it all changed for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you more before we leave this chapter about the purpose of this spirit uh, baptism or the Spirit of God coming upon us. Look at uh, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. So he's in Nazareth at his home church. I've stood in what is believed in is, is the actual synagogue he preached this sermon in. And in October, if you go with us to Israel, we're going to stand there again. Or for the first time. October... Hallelujah. And so notice what he stood up, found the text in Isaiah, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is in me. No, he didn't say the Spirit of the Lord is in him. What did he say? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I wonder when did this happen? When did this happen? When did the Spirit of the Lord come upon him? In Luke chapter 3. In the river. When the Holy Ghost came in the form, in the shape of a dove, and came upon him and and remained on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, this experience doesn't save you. You don't get this experience unless you're already saved. This experience is about empowering you to live down here and to minister as He ministered, to pray as He prayed, to have power as He had power. How could we? How could we? Because it's, we're different. We're, it's Jesus. And we're not Him, but we are in Him. But it's the same Spirit. It's the same Holy Ghost. The same Holy Ghost that came on Jesus. See, He didn't work these miracles without the Holy Ghost. He didn't walk on water without the power of God. He didn't confront the Pharisees with boldness in preaching. He didn't didn't dip down and write in the sand and discover all those people's sins apart from the Holy Ghost. He had the gifts of the Spirit. He had the power of God. He had the help of the Holy Ghost as our example. As our example to show us what it looks like and what we can do with the Holy Ghost on our lives. Woo, ha, ha, ha. Man, my life changed. The day the Holy Ghost came upon me. And I've never been the same since. Praise God. I mean, take a, take a conservative-minded, you know, white-collar, whatever you want to call me, hallelujah, you know, reserved, good, good Methodist boy, and turn him into a ball of fire, hallelujah. And that's why a lot of people say, no, they don't want to get turned into a ball of fire. Well, I don't know what you're afraid of. How many you know you'd be, you might be excited for a while, but after a few hours, if when you bought the brand new cutting edge cell phone, whatever thing you like, and you looked in the box and you got the device, but you don't have a power cord with that thing, well, you're going to be a blip on the screen because you're going to run out of power. 
And being born again is the device. Being saved, being a child of God, being a new creation, that's being God's new cutting edge iPhone 12 Pro Max. That's what I got. They had me at Max. I like the Max. Amen. But when I got that, praise God, they gave me a power cord, an ability to power my device. And yeah, you're born again. And yes, you're blood washed. And yes, you're loved of God. And yes, you're a child of God. But you need the Holy Ghost. To stay full of power, especially in these last days. Come on. Hallelujah. And you're strategically positioned everywhere you go. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you go around, praise God, there ought to be a power on you, an ability on you. And no, it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God. And when you lay your hands on people, something actually comes out of your hands. Hallelujah. Felt or not felt, and bodies are changed. People are healed. Praise God. This is our call. This is our assignment. Nobody's anointed as a child of God to spectate and sit in a chair. We sit in a chair to get equipped. We sit in a chair to get fed. We sit in a chair to receive and respond. Amen. And you need to respond to the plan of God this morning. If need be, that you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Plug your Christian life into some power, baby. Hey, hallelujah. So in Luke 4, 18, he said, And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. See, you know, you could be called to preach, but do you have the anointing to preach? He has sent me to heal the broken heart. It takes power to turn a broken heart and make it whole. A Hallmark card's not going to do it. Got to have power that goes on the inside of a soul that's broken and heal that broken heart. To proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Praise God. Now I know I could get in trouble with this. I don't mean to. But really in the mind of God, in the mind of the highest part of the plan of God, you're not not equipped to preach, to proclaim, to tell, if you're not filled with the Spirit. Because Jesus told the disciples, we'll look at it, He said, tarry ye in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the baptism with the Holy Ghost. In other words, He said, yes, I've been training you for three and a half years. Yes, now the Holy Spirit is inside you yes the church is about to be born but you are not filled with the holy ghost you have yet to have your jordan river power experience and do not go preach do not go tell just wait in that upper room until power comes on you and that's exactly what they did jesus didn't preach the message of the kingdom until he had power on his life a certificate doesn't give you power Even the call doesn't give you power. It's the equipment, it's the power of the Holy Ghost that gives you the... It's like Dr. Jacobs, you know, he says, you know, a lot of people, they they, they call themselves all kinds of things, apostle this, bishop that, prophet so-and-so, it's all bohunkus, probably most of it. He said, you can put whatever label you want to on the jar, but you got to take the lid off to find out what's really in it. It's what's in it, really, that makes it what it is. A lot of people out there pastoring ought not be pastoring. 
Anyway, I'm going to just stay off of that. Let's get back over on here. Go to Acts chapter 10. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, the Holy Ghost came on a man named Saul one time, way back in the Old Testament, King Saul. He had been anointed as king, but he hadn't come into the position yet. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Ghost came on this man named Saul, it turned him into another man. That's why I'm telling you, God told me to call this message the day everything changes. The day everything changes is the day you'll get turned into another man. Hallelujah, turned into another woman. Let me just go ahead and tell you, praise God. I was born again. My heart was right. I had an encounter with God, as you know, drunk and suicidal at a frat party. I still had all kinds of problems, all kinds of wrong thinking, all kinds of bad behavior going on, but I was reading my Bible. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm not led to tell this part of my testimony, but all I saw in the Bible in that season was the baptism with the Holy Ghost. That's all I saw. It's like they were, those scriptures were jumping off the page at me. It was like I was trying to run away from it and couldn't get away from it. That's all I saw in the Bible was get filled, get filled, get filled. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is trying to get me what I need. I am born again, but I need power in my life. And I had decisions I knew I needed to make. God had told me, drop all your friends. And I was struggling with that because I'm a social person. And I was struggling with that. I knew that all my drinking wasn't right, but I still was. I knew that all my smoking wasn't right. Amen. But I still was. Amen? Amen. Well, I'd begun to, I'd begun to date this lovely lady. Uh, amen. Only the grace and the mercy and the sovereignty of God. Amen. Reverend Siegel, the first time he was here, she got up to the, go to the ladies' room at the restaurant. I just barely know this minister. And he leaned in and goes, How? How did you get her? He was not playing with it either. I said, to be totally truthful and honest with you, it was the Holy Ghost. Amen. He goes, I believe it. <laughs> you just got to know him, I guess, a little bit. Amen. But one day, uh, you know, we were uh, going to school at the University of Oklahoma. And uh, so right there in Norman, Oklahoma, where Brother Hagen's headquarters it's right there in Broken Arrow, a suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's only 120 miles across the turnpike. My grandma lived over there. I was born in Tulsa. So we, I've got family in Tulsa today. And uh, so one day we decided we wanted to go. The Rama Bible Training Center, their Bible school at the campus, had, was known for their Christmas lights. And I don't know, maybe you were baiting me or something. But she, you know, we decided, let's go over. She probably wouldn't. Uh, amen. And let's go over and... Uh, Look at the Christmas lights, kind of as a date thing. And so we drove over there, and we decided, well, we're going to stay for the Sunday night Rama Bible Church service. Now, Dad Hagen wasn't preaching, but his son was, Pastor Hagen. And so we were sitting way up in the nickel seats, and uh, like some of y'all back there, praise God. That's okay. And, uh, but I, that's where, you know, God's back there too. And uh, I, don't I don't remember what Brother Hagen preached that night. I really don't, Pastor Hagen. But at the end, he gave an invitation for those that wanted to, to come and, uh, and to be saved or to rededicate their life or to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I have to tell you this, too. It's kind of funny. In, in weeks prior, I had been going, as you know, I've been 
you know, going to my local church, which happened to be a Methodist church, and we had a Friday night singles uh, service that I went to and I enjoyed. Well, I had been stuck. Remember, all I could read in my Bible, all I could see was the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, you know, uh, praise God, in, in, in that type of church, you, you typically had kneeling benches where you came and sought God or knelt and got saved or had prayer, you know, from the minister. And so he invited everyone to come up. The altar was full. I mean, it was as big as this one all the way across. And every knee, you know, and I found my slot down there in the middle and kneeled down on the bench and waited for the, waited for the minister to come. And so as he got closer to me, I'm trying to work up the courage because why had I come? Well, because all I could see in the Bible, reading my Methodist Bible at home, was the baptism with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. And so when he finally got to me, he put his hand on my shoulder and opened my eyes. He said, what have you come for? And I said, I've come for you to pray for me that I would be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. And you can imagine his response. Eyes real big. Uh, uh. This is what I got. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, and this is what he said. He said, why don't you go back to your chair, and I'll call you this week. You come to my office. We'll talk about it. I'm still waiting on that phone call today. <laughs> really hurt me that he never, at the time, really hurt me, but now I'm grateful. Because he, his intent was to sit me down and straighten me out, talk me out of it. Who knows, he might have been successful. We wouldn't be here today. Mm-mm-mm. So some time had passed, and here we are at this service. And several times uh, in my life, my wife has elbowed me. She's got sharp elbows. She's elbowed me into the will of God. I'd already decided, I'm not going down this big crowd. I'm not going down this coliseum full of Christians to be prayed for, to be filled with the Spirit. I'm not doing that. For I know this, I've got this sharp pain in my side. Brother Hagin's being patient. And she, before I knew it, she'd elbowed me into the aisle. No, I was suggesting. Suggesting. That's a pretty... <laughs> well, you know, we were joking about this the other night. She wasn't going to marry me the way I was. See, she's a smart girl. <laughs> she's a smart girl. And uh, so anyway, I found myself in the back room and was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I didn't have some dramatic experience like some have. Because I wasn't a very good receiver. I wasn't taught very well to receive. But I did receive. And I'm just telling you, people stumble over tongues. Don't stumble over tongues. Tongues is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful benefit. You need to learn about it. Go get my little book. And it'll introduce you to it. We keep books in our bookstore. Tell you all about it. Get the big book on uh, tongues beyond the upper room. The white one from Brother Hagin. And it'll answer all your questions. I had them too. About it. But don't wait this morning to read all the books. Just come get your filling. Amen. I didn't understand everything about what I was getting myself into when I got saved, but I still got saved. You can get filled with the Holy Ghost and then find out. It's like uh, Nancy Pelosi said, we're going to have to pass the bill to find out what's in it. Praise God. And not in a good way in that regard, but anyway. <laughs> Acts chapter 10. We're having fun anyway, aren't we? Hallelujah. Acts chapter 10. Praise God, Peter's preaching. He's preaching uh, the gospel for the first time to Gentiles. And uh, so look at verse 36. 
It says, And the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God, hello, how God, who did it? God did it. He anointed, we just read about it in Luke 4, 18. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And with power. Do you see that? Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now notice, all of the good he did by the power of God, he did not do until he was anointed to do it. And Jesus is our example. Are you going to follow in his example? Are we going to be Jesus followers? Let me speak to those who might have a Catholic background. Why don't you follow Mother Mary into the upper room? I followed Mother Mary up into the upper room. She was in the upper room. Fire got on her. Fire got on Mother Mary. The Holy Ghost got on Mother Mary. Mother Mary left that place with the Holy Spirit and power on her life. Praise God. Amen. We all need to follow brother, uh, Mother Mary into the upper room. We need to, do you respect the saint? Do you respect St. Peter? Do you believe he was a man of God? Do you believe he was in Jesus' inner circle? Do you believe God used him to write part of the Bible? Why don't you follow him into the upper room? He told you in Acts chapter 2, around verse 38 through 40, that the Holy Ghost was for all of us. Trying to. All the 11 remaining disciples were in that upper room. So if we want to, if we want to be Bible people, we want to follow the apostles. Why don't we, Jesus said, oh, glory. Let's just go read that. I know we're turning to some scriptures. Y'all okay? We're doing good on time. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 is going to put us post-cross, post-resurrection. So redemption's been paid for. Amen. His blood is on the mercy seat. A new covenant has been established. He's preparing. He's got his initial 12 and then 70. He's got his team of people ready to get this thing blown out and the revival underway. Amen. And so Jesus appears to them in resurrected bodily form. And he says some things to them. Luke 24, 44. Luke 24, 44. Then he, Jesus, said to them, these are the words which I spoke unto you that while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which was written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Oh, thank God for that. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary, for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. We all agree with this, don't we? Amen. That... Uh, remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, mark this scripture, I send the promise of my Father. I send the promise. Now notice the word. 
Does it say in you? You know the timeline? He's already in them. Jesus breathed on those disciples and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. And that's when they got born again. He's talking about an up-on experience. But I'm going to send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry. That means wait. In the city of Jerusalem. Until you are what? Endued. That word means clothed with. Clothed with. Clothed with what? Power. Power from where? Oh, that Holy Ghost stuff, that's of the devil. No, that's almost blasphemous what that is. What's he saying that, thinking that. This is power from where? From on high. And it was good enough for Jesus. It was necessary for Jesus. And he is saying, look, we've got to preach this gospel, but before you do, you wait. Until the promise of the Father, which is the baptism with the Holy Ghost. Don't have time to take you to John. 14 and 16, you could go read that and find that out. But that you're clothed with power from on high. Now go back to Acts. I'm not going to wear you out today. But I want to get you enough word in you that you're chomping at the bit about running me down wanting me to pray for you. Glory to God. Some of you have not talked in tongues since the day you were filled. Come back up here and get a fresh jolt of power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today everything changed in my life. When that power came on me, yes, I did speak with tongues. And, and my life has not been, I've been talking in tongues almost every day of my life since that day. I'm not teaching on tongues today. I'm teaching on power. That's why. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit was given. So that you could have power in your life. You know, I drove back and I just, I, I was aware. I was aware, uh, Rex, that I had power I didn't have before. Now I'm saved. I'm, I'm still saved. I'm saved before. I'm saved after. But I had power now. And I just went home and lickety-split like it was easy. I got in front. I got sat down all my roommates on the couch. I'll never forget today. And I said, listen, guys, this is probably going to surprise you. I know I've been the ringleader around here. But God told me to go home, live with my mommy. And to get, you know, and I've just, I've got, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I've got, I've had an experience with God. I'm going on with God. I know that means I'm breaking the lease, but y'all will figure it out. And they were very respectful. They said, you know, we're not doing what you're doing. We don't want to do what you're doing, but we respect it. We've always had good relationship. But I was done with them from that day. It was easy because I had power. I had power to do it. Alcohol was no, I just laid it down. I was done. I'm done with it. I don't need it. don't want it. I was done with that. I was done with tobacco. No more power. I just had power I didn't have before, brother. And even then, as unlearned as I was, I began to pray for people and I began to get healed. I began to understand. It's like the, the light came on and the scriptures were open to me. Listen, when you get, you've got God in you, the Holy Ghost in you, but when you get more of Him, then you're going to get more of everything He brings. And He's the teacher. He's the leader. He's the expounder. Listen, what are you struggling with? Some of you are filled with the Holy Ghost. You have been, but are you plugging in? Are you plugging in? You know, they sold me a charger with my pack, but if I don't ever use the thing, I'm still going to be lacking power, aren't I? Amen. That's why when Christians get low and Christians get weak and they're constantly discouraged and they're constantly down and they're constantly gloomy and they're constantly depressed, I know something. They had not been plugged into the wall. 
They hadn't been plugged into God. They hadn't been Shandai, Shandai, Aitai, Mabotai. They hadn't been doing that. They hadn't been going, I should have bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda. You know, they hadn't been doing that. <laughs> Praise God. Because you can't plug into power very long. How, how long do you think, like the Reverend Joel said, that if we stuck your finger in the light socket on the wall, we'd get a reaction, a flow of power out of you? You, you, you would know it pretty well. Praise God. So let's go to Acts chapter 1. Did I tell you to go there? Acts chapter 1. So who wrote the book of Luke? That's an easy one. Luke did. Luke did. But who wrote the book of Acts? Luke did. Luke did. And if you go from Luke 24, that's the last chapter of Luke, and now we're in Acts chapter 1, you can just see he just picks right up where he left off. He just picked, where did we leave off? The commandment from Jesus to his people, go to Jerusalem and wait. For the promise of the Father to come, what? Up on you. Amen. I'm almost done. Y'all with me? Yes. Praise God. And so he's rehearsing these things. For time's sake, we'll skip up to verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. That sounds like what we just read, right? See, he's just picking up where he left off. But he commanded them to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Now we know from the Bible exactly what the promise of the Father is, don't we? It's the same thing happening to us that happened to Jesus in the river Jordan. Glory to God. And it's a promise from our Father. It's not a curse from the devil. How did I get to this place? I had no teacher at that time. You know how I got there? Reading my Bible. You know the Methodists have the same Bible the Pentecostals do. Amen. Just got one Bible. It all says the same thing. Glory to God. The differences are uh, disagreements on how much of it we're going to believe. That's all that is. Amen. What is it? For John said, for Jesus said, or John said, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not uh, for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive, here it is again, power. Power when the Holy Spirit has come up on you. Up on you. Do you see how consistent the Word of God is? For you shall be. And evidently they weren't yet because He didn't told them to start yet. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, let's look to Acts 2 here. And let's see the day that this came to pass. So they're waiting. They're just, that's what they were told to do. A lot of denominations say you got to wait, you got to tarry for the Holy Ghost today. Well, if you're going to tarry, you better get to Jerusalem. He didn't say tarry in Paducah. If you're going to be like that, you, he said tarry in Jerusalem. No, they had to tarry for the first time because the Holy Ghost hadn't been poured out yet, but He has been poured out now. So there's no need to tarry. You come up here and God's even given me a special anointing. Not bragging, just telling you what's available. 
of the laying on of hands for people to be filled with the Spirit. And that's in the book of Acts 2. Amen. I said amen. amen. So when the day of, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. See, they were obeying the Lord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, not from the enemy, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues like a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all, what? Filled, didn't say born again. They're already born again. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak, (laughs) began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They weren't expecting to speak. They didn't, Jesus didn't say a word about tongues, did He? What He talked about was power. But when power came, tongues came. When power came, tongues came. Amen. Just a couple of quick snippets from Acts, and then I'm going to minister to whoever might want me to. Acts chapter 10 again. Acts chapter 10 again. You learning anything? Hallelujah. Now listen, we've got hours and hours and hours of teaching in our archive on this subject if you want more. Amen. But we've given you far more enough scripture already for you to have enough faith to come up here confidently expecting power to come on you. Praise God. Well, we had seen what Jesus or what Peter was preaching about how God had anointed in the 38th verse Jesus of Nazareth. So he just went on preaching. All right? He just went on preaching. And look at verse 44. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the what? The Holy Spirit fell up on. I just want to point it out. Didn't say, go, didn't say went inside. Didn't say about anything about saving anybody. But Peter was still speaking these words. The Holy Spirit fell on them, on those who heard the word. And those who were the, of the circumcision, that means the Jewish people that came with Peter, who believed, were astonished. They were astonished. Why were they astonished? As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit, not the curse of the Holy, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know? How did they know that the Holy Ghost was poured out on them? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. See, speak, it, it blessed God. It magnified God. Amen, amen, amen. Let's go to one more passage. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. So notice in Acts 2, the very first time believers were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues. Notice the very first time Gentile believers heard the gospel and believed they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke with other tongues. Paul said in the first, God, uh, first Corinthians chapter 14, I wish you all spoke with tongues like me. When did he get filled with the Spirit? In Acts chapter 9. We're not going there today. Amen. Acts chapter 19. Y'all are acting like you're getting sleepy on me. Come on now. I know we sprang forward. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. All right. So, praise God. Verse 1, Acts 19, verse 1. And it came, and it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
Notice how, notice how urgent it was in his mind. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Believed, what do you mean believed? Believed on Jesus when you heard the gospel, when you got saved. The very first question out of the apostle's mouth is, did you receive the Holy Ghost? How urgent is the priority? Even these trained emissaries from Jesus, the apostles, were not allowed to preach the good news until they were endued with power from on high. Look at what they said. They say what a lot of people say today. We have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Well, can you get saved and not know that there even is a Holy Spirit? Of course. Getting saved is all about Jesus. Being saved is a work of the Spirit, but receiving salvation is all about Jesus. Then, uh, and Paul responded. He said unto them, well, what then, into, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, baptized like you and I are in water. And when Paul, notice this, had laid hands on them, oh, but he was an eminent apostle. Who do you think you are, Pastor Chris? Just a disciple. But Ananias laid his hands on Paul in Acts chapter 9. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't have to be an apostle. Come on. See, I had all these questions. What answered all my the word? If you're interested, the word will answer all your questions. Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit. Look, I just love the language. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. So this is why some preachers will say tongues is the ramp, it is the door, it is the diving board into the other gifts of the Spirit. See, when Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost, he stammered around outside and then preached. So he, there's that manifestation of the Spirit. Amen. In Acts chapter 10... It says they spoke with tongues and they broke out and magnified God. And here, the manifestation of the Spirit was tongues and prophecy. See, the more you speak in other tongues, believer, the more manifestations and gifts of the Spirit you'll have in operation. The less you pray in tongues, the less. The less supernatural flavor will be on your life. God's not mad at anybody. Not mad at us, he's not mad at any of our denominations, but he so longs for us to follow Mother Mary into the upper room. He wants us to be in these last days to have the power to take the gospel to the four reaches of the world and to do it in signs and wonders and answered prayer. And it's going to take more than just having a certificate on the wall or graduating a discipleship class. We've got to have power. So I'd like everyone to stand up on their feet. I'd like my wife to come to the keyboard, praise God.